Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific shares are mixed this morning following a slide on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo is trading higher. The Nikkei is up three-quarters of a percent. Sydney is in the green as well, but Seoul is in negative territory. Investors have their eyes on tech shares as well as supply chain issues. More about that with Ryan Huang, who joins me now to break down all the market action. How are you doing Thursday, Ryan? Happy Thursday, Michelle. Good to be here. We, let's start this morning in the Suez Canal, where a skyscraper-sized container ship is stuck. It is blocking all traffic through that vital waterway man-made. More than 100 ships are stuck uh, at the end of this canal, which links the Mediterranean to the Red Sea and can cut off as much as 12 days off a ship's journey. So I want to start with the how does this happen question. Mm. I mean, this is the first time in the Suez Canal's 150-year history that this has uh, ever happened before, right? Yeah. Uh, I have to, put, I guess, paint a picture of how it looks like right now. So mm. you just imagine a long canal, a long, narrow pathway. And this is now around 205 meters wide. And the ship is around 400 meters long. So due to strong winds, one side of the ship got tipped and it's now diagonally stuck. And you've now pretty much got the bow stuck on one bank and the other, the stern, the other side, nearly touching the other side. So you've got it pretty much covering the entire width of the canal. So no ships can go through. So that is how it got stuck. And the ship is called Ever Given. It's run by a Taiwanese shipping group, Evergreen. So you've got a lot of work now undergoing to try to refloat the ship, so to speak, so that it can be moved. Right now, it's just stuck to the ground near the bank. So you've got a lot of um, question marks. Will they be able to do it? Because it's such a huge size. That is actually longer or higher than the height of the Eiffel Tower, so to speak. So that is a huge container ship, and it can can carry 20,000 containers. So it's not just long and big, it's also heavy. So you've got a lot of tugboats trying to move it, but... Mm. These tugboats are just too small. So they are trying to get more expert help later today um, before they can figure out if they should or need to unload the ship and there will be thousands of containers and it could take days. So you might see a traffic jam lasting a couple of days more. So that is the current situation that is um, playing out in the Swiss Canal. And also just to get people out of speed why the Swiss Canal is important, it's a bit of a shortcut for ships to take from Europe to Asia Mm. by cutting through the African continent. Otherwise, you have to go around the African continent, which will, like you pointed out, take an additional 12 days or so. You have to wonder how strong the winds were, you know, to move a ship of that size so that it becomes a wedge in the Suez Canal. Apparently, there were reports that there were gusts in the area of uh, as much as 50 kph or 30 mph. So uh, I wonder if climate change is at all a factor here. Now, what is the strategy for unwedging ever given their tugboats, as you say, in the area? Yeah, so you have tugboats as well as what they call expert salvage crew. So mm. that is going to be something that will be studied to see if that is going to be feasible. Of course, you can also wait for higher tides. So that is also up to in the form nature. So it'll be down to some good luck and some expert help. Uh, of course, uh, right now, it has really jammed up the 
the uh, path, the Swiss Canal. So you now have hundreds of ships just waiting to see what's going to happen. And that means you have shipments of consumer goods, things that factories will need. And this is an important pathway as well for energy because a lot of the oil and LNG shipments are carried from the Middle East to Europe via this Swiss Canal. So that is now seeing prices of oil actually jumping overnight. And this could also have a delay on business activities having a knock-on impact because they won't get their goods to sell. And also, maybe if it really gets worse, Mm. some of the exporting countries will be facing delays in exports. So it might have a knock-on impact in that sense if you think about the worst-case scenario. Yeah, so if you have a stuck ship, the people to call are the salvage guys. The Dutch firm that's responsible for freeing the ever-given is SMIT Salvage. It's certainly not the first high-profile job for this company. Back in 2001, SMIT Salvage, a sunken Russian nuclear submarine, and some 10 years later, it removed fuel from a cruise ship that ran aground in Italy. Hopefully it can make some uh, headway here. At least 10% of all that oil that's shipped from one place to another passes through the Suez. The blockage has led to a jump in the price of Brent crude. So how are markets reacting to this latest disruption to global supply chains? Yeah, quick look at how we are doing with oil prices. Uh, It was up in reaction, knee-jerk reaction, nearly 6% in the reaction to the news. And now it's giving back some of those gains. It's now down around 1.3%. So you've got WTI trading just slightly above $60 per barrel and brand crude at just $63.60. So you do have that um, playing out. Investors trying to figure out what will be the impact on oil prices. Also worth pointing out, we Mm -hmm. do have the OPEC Plus meeting next week. So it will also add an interesting dynamic to their decision whether to continue with the output cuts for another month or so. So that is um, something to digest as the day unfolds. Now, on the topic of supply chain problems, we've talked recently about the shortage of container ships, and that may have a knock-on effect on another kind of vessel called the break bulk. And that, unfortunately, appears to affect shipments of toilet paper, according to a report published in Bloomberg today. So I'm going to keep my eye on that, but it is worth noting that this appears to be an issue in the Americas, not here for now. Ryan, let's turn to the markets now, where a late slide by big tech counters dragged US stock indices lower overnight. The Nasdaq dropped 2%, small caps did even worse. The Russell 2000 fell 2.4% and the S&P 500 is on track for a second straight weekly decline. So Ryan, what has gotten a hold of investors? Would you say the mood has turned bearish or would you say that traders are just a little bit more uncertain? I would say it's a bit of both. In fact, if people are trying to figure out what's going on because you actually have bond yields coming down. It's now down around um, three basis points to 1.62%. So typically, with the drop in bond yields, you would see less pressure on tech stocks. So that is an interesting opposite reaction happening right now with the tech sell-off of overnight and you had the Nasdaq Composite underperforming by 2%. So that suggests that you have jitters in the markets, people just taking profit and 
the tax sell-off is an excuse to take profit elsewhere as well. So that is playing out. And I think also we're pointing out this morning, you have reports about North Korea launching ballistic missiles. So that will be additional jitters for Asian markets to digest in the um, opening minutes. Now, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen appeared before the Senate Banking Committee overnight. Yellen reiterates that she believes the U.S. government has more room to borrow funds, but she also indicated that higher taxes could be in store. Now, Yellen got into a tussle with fellow Democrat U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren over the money management giant BlackRock. Difference of opinions there. Tell us more. Yeah, so this is actually interesting because it brings back memories of the great financial crisis. So you might remember how Lehman Brothers fell, how a lot of those banks were deemed too big to fail. So the question is, if you have a financial institution that is actually bigger than those banks, shouldn't they be also deemed too big to fail? Because right now that is not the case. And that is not the case for the likes of BlackRock. Right now, the current guidance or regulation is to deem a bank too big to fail if they have more than $50 million in assets. BlackRock has 180 times that amount. $9 trillion. But they are not deemed too big to fail. Mm-hmm. So with the too big to fail label, you attract more regulatory scrutiny. So that is why Senator Elizabeth Warren is asking, why aren't you giving that label to someone with even more assets like BlackRock? So that is an interesting question because um, it does have a few valid points, right? Because yeah. if you're controlling so much money, it might have deeper implications and also carry systemic risks for the rest of the financial system. So Janet Yellen says it's not important or it's less important to pay attention to labels, more important to pay attention to activities, what the company does with the money. And also she says that the her committee, the council, has investigated BlackRock before and will continue to do so in the future. So it's a bit of a, you know, we'll keep a lid on it um, and keep an eye on it. So Elizabeth Warren was not too happy with her response and just shot back that, hey, if um, it's her job to keep an eye on risks and if we give you the tools to monitor risks, it's your job to use those tools. So it's pretty much um, back in Janet Yellen's court right now. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. Of course, without that designation, uh, BlackRock doesn't come under the Frank Dodd Act, uh, that legislation that was enacted, as you say, after the financial crisis of 2007 to reduce systemic risks. Now, for the moment, the era of easy money in the U.S. appears firmly entrenched. Both Yellen and the U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell have indicated that they are not concerned about inflation and therefore there is no need to talk about raising interest rates or scaling back the Fed's asset purchase. If investors want a glimpse, though, at what could happen when the Fed eventually does change course, they need only look to China, where markets have been down 15% since last month. Tell us more. Yeah, so you've got a CSI 300 losing 15% since climbing to a 13-year high last month. So it seems like the punch bowl is being taken away with the stimulus measures kind of being reined back by the Chinese authorities. So that is apparently taking away the enthusiasm behind Chinese markets. And it's also an interesting contrast to what's happening on Wall Street, where you actually have more stimulus coming soon. 
So you do have a bit of a pullback in Chinese stocks. And I think it's also worth noting in Hong Kong, yesterday mm-hmm. it was down 2%. So that brought Hong Kong markets down into correction territory. So you are seeing maybe that Chinese exposure story playing out to, I guess, a bit of a profit-taking narrative right now because Chinese markets were doing very well uh, much earlier than the other markets. And maybe now there is a bit of reallocation to other markets that could be doing better. So that is the current um, situation playing out in Chinese markets. And on top of that, you have Credit Suisse Group. They have cut their recommendation of Chinese stocks to the equivalent of sell this week. So it's the second time they've done so, cutting their recommendation uh, in the space of a few weeks. So you have a second downgrade from Credit Suisse putting more pressure on Chinese stocks as well. Now on to one of our favourite segments on the show. It's a quick game. Up or down? I name an asset or an item in the news and Ryan tells us whether he thinks it is moving up or down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Maple tree. Oh, maple tree would be an up for me and that's because they have just closed their first European office fund and they've raised nearly 800 million Sing dollars. And this is a, a fund of an interesting name. Mm. Maple Tree Europe Income Trust or Merit for short. So it was oversubscribed by 1.5 times. So it seems like there's quite a bit of support for the fund. So it's an up for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, next, let's look at the gaming software and fintech company, Razer. Okay, Razer would be an up for me as well because it's the first time they have posted a net profit since going public in 2017. So net profit for FY 2020 was... $5.6 million. So that reverses the loss of $84.2 million in the previous financial year. So you've got a couple of things going well for Razer. You've got a COVID-19 pandemic playing out. So that means more people playing games. Maybe working from home, people wanted better devices, better mice, better laptops. So maybe Razer benefit from that front as well. So on top of revenue growth, the uh, Razer CEO says they also tightened their belts in terms of um, costs, cutting costs, as well as raising their productivity. So all that seemed to play out well. Mm. Next, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, or TSMC. Okay, so this is a bit of a down for me. So share prices at least were down nearly 4%, and that's off the back of news that Intel is trying to pose a challenge to TSMC's ground in terms of setting up two new plants in Arizona, $20 billion in terms of plans, and also opening up the fabs to outside customers. So pretty much trying to eat TSMC's lunch. And also worth noting, in Taiwan, they are raising the red flag in terms of water supply. So there's a bit of a drought going on in Taiwan. So that, of course, has a potential impact on the semiconductor industry, which uses a lot of water. For now, they say, TSMC says, it's not a big risk because they have enough for themselves. But this could play out to a worse degree down the road. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah, we talked about Intel's expansion plans yesterday and how it might impact TSMC. And it looks like the markets agreed with what they heard. Uh, Chairs falling 5% yesterday. Next, uh, Intel. Intel, I think it's a bit of a bad timing for me. So Intel actually is a down in terms of share price. It fell more than 2%. And I think that was pretty much in line with the tech sell-off we saw overnight. So despite the big, bold comeback plans, 
that didn't do anything for its share price in the latest session. Yeah, I'm going to go with down as well. I mean, I think analysts initially applauded Intel's plans to invest billions in new manufacturing facilities. But we have seen Intel shares losing ground overnight, falling 2%. Let's check in on local stocks now. The Straits Times Index finished flat yesterday at 3137. Uh, still, that is significantly better than most other Asian markets. Tokyo, Hong Kong and the Asia Dow all dropped more than 2% in yesterday's trade. So how is the STI doing this morning, Ryan? Yeah, quick snapshot of the STI. We have it pretty much flat. It's just slightly above water by 0.03%, 3,134. And just a quick snapshot of the STI is pretty much split across the middle in terms of winners and losers. Mm -hmm. And zooming in right at the top, we've got Comfort Delgro with a gain of 2.4%. And right at the bottom, Hong Kong Land is down 2.8%. And zooming in on some of the uh, stocks that might be worth watching, uh, if you look at what's happening with um, AEM, AEM Holdings, of course, um, was one of the potential beneficiaries of Intel's plans to go bigger and building more factories. So AEM uh, counts Intel as one of its main clients. Mm-hmm. So it saw its share price actually go up yesterday, one of the top performers, uh, with a rise of 6.6%. But now it's giving back some of those gains. is now down by 1.9%. And another tech play, Venture Corp, was one of the top players or top gainers yesterday, adding 1.7%. It is also giving back its gains, now down 1.6%. So that is the picture we have right now. Of course, um, worth watching as well, Capital and how it plays out. Now it's now in the green by 0.8%. Yesterday it was down 1%, of course, reacting to the news of its restructuring. All right. Well, that's a pretty nuanced picture. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.